Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. a moment. But what I'm proposing to you today is that crossing over to help someone in their time of need is actually a solution to loneliness. It's a solution to isolation. It's the very core, it's the antidote for selfishness in our lives. So I had a quick Google search for care because I wanted to find out, I figured if I'm leading this thing called pastoral care at Ivy, I should know what care actually means. So according to Google, It's defined as the tools and resources that are necessary in order to protect and maintain the health and welfare of another person. So then I threw that away and decided I would just go to the Bible, right? Because that's where we really get a good definition of what care is. And it starts with this. When God created us, he cared for us so much that the Bible says that he created us in his image. In Genesis, it says he created human beings Man and woman in his image, in the image of God, he created them. So when we cross over, we have to recognize that care isn't just about feeling good about ourselves, but actually it's about recognizing the inherent worth that every single person has as someone who was created in the image of God. And not only is the value and worth a significant reason to cross over, the value and worth of another person. But it's a command. Jesus actually tells us in the Bible that we're commanded to care for one another. He says in John chapter 13, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, in Hebrews 10, we have to think of ways to motivate each other towards acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. And this is the reason that I actually believe at the end of this year, God wants to accelerate our culture of care. He wants to accelerate our care for one another because he wants to strengthen our culture. I want to share this fantastic story that's found in Luke. It's a parable that... Maybe some of us have grown up with in Sunday school. If you're new to to Christianity and you're just exploring, maybe it'll be the first time that you've heard it. I think it's worth looking at again. And it comes from Luke chapter 10. And we know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus tells this story, and I'd like to share it with you today. Now, if you have, like me, your traditional and you want to pull out your old paper Bible, I'm going to be reading from this. Um, But if not, the words are going to be up on the screen as well. Or maybe you've got a fancy Bible app that you can pull out. This is Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 25. So this is, let me set the scene. This is Jesus here who's being asked a question by a religious leader. And it says this. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Good teacher. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? In other words, how can I be saved? How do I get into heaven? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So this religious man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. 
But the man wanted to justify his actions. Presumably, he wasn't caring for his neighbor. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. It sounds like something we'd read in the news in Manchester, doesn't it? And by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. But then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you next time I'm here. So Jesus said, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? So the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do the same. I absolutely love this story. A religious scholar, sort of like maybe a bishop of today, asked this question. And it's a pretty common one that I think we're still kind of asking today. What do I need to do to get into heaven? What happens in the afterlife? How do I make sure I'm on the wrong side of whatever or the right side of whatever's coming next and not the wrong side? And I love that Jesus responds with a story because it shows me that actually Jesus cares not just about the empty words of saying what it means to love your neighbor, but about the actions and the actions that we show towards others. How we treat others, in other words, how we care for others, is so important to Jesus that it's actually the basis on which we can honor God and we can actually live rightly. Love God, love others. I think that's a pretty great motto for us to just adopt as our life right now. Love God, love others. It's pretty easy. Two commandments, love God, love others. And actually, the person whose story he shares is just about the least likely person who would embody what care and love for one's neighbor should look like. It's a despised Samaritan. We would actually in the story expect that we would see love coming from the religious scholars, right? The, the people who pass by, the temple assistant, the, the religious leader. We would think they would be the ones who show care. But unfortunately, even though they act contrary to love in the story, they don't actually act contrary to the cultural norms of the day. Because actually, if we were following the culture of the day, the two people that pass the man by, the hurting Jewish man by, have this attitude of placing themselves above the Jewish man. In other words, they're too holy, they're too perfect, they're too self-righteous to help this man. They wouldn't associate with such a low-class person, and they certainly wouldn't dirty themselves with this bloody man lying in the middle of the road. And they would justify it away as some sort of religious action, like, I've just purified myself, so I can't help you because you'll make me unclean. But in the attitude and the actions of the unlikely hero, the, the despised Samaritan, the good Samaritan, we discover what it truly means to cross over. So I want to look at three things today that I think this story has for us about what it would look like for us to cross over and help someone in a time of need. So the first is this. Our care, our culture of care, starts when we, one, move out of our comfort zone. 
Right? You see in the story that the Samaritan had to go out of his way to break cultural norms so that he could help the Jewish man. See, Jews, they hated Samaritans. They absolutely would not associate with them. The story even says despise Samaritan man. The two ethnicities would not associate with each other. It was so taboo. And so for the Samaritan to go out of his way to help this clearly identified Jewish man would have been a scandal. He had to fight against his own cultural norm of isolation and loneliness to not associate with this other type of person. But he did it with a great cost to himself. And so he had to move out of his comfort zone in order to help this person. What would it look like for us to step out of our comfort zone? You know, I think for for me, it actually looks like increasing my alertness to another person's needs. How in the world am I going to be able to care for another person unless I know what they actually need care for? And sometimes that just requires asking the question, how can I help? We have to increase our alertness to other people's needs because the... If I'm honest with myself, because I've been doing this long enough to know, there are people that are sitting next to you and all around us in this room who are going through and struggling with something right now. And we probably don't know about it. There are people not just outside, but in here who might be hurting physically, maybe financially, maybe it's emotional or intellectual pain. Maybe it's a relationship that's just been broken. They're hurting people all around us and we don't see it because we don't ask the question, how can I help? What are you going through? Right? So a culture of care first starts and we move out of our comfort zone and ask that inconvenient sometimes question, how can I help? Which will put us out of our comfort zone. If we want to get beyond our comfort zone, we have to start to look for ways to be a friend to someone else. You know, people say all the time, well, I'm isolated and I'm lonely, so I just need people to come alongside me and help. But actually, the cure for loneliness and isolation is to be a friend first to someone else. That's the cure for loneliness. When we act against isolation, we move out of our comfort zone. We see the second thing that happens in this story. We go from selfish to selfless. This Samaritan risked it all at a great cost to himself to get beyond this sort of barrier of selfishness and self-protection that he had. He had, he was out two silver coins, which is, it says, two full days wages, some olive oil and a bandage, and he was willing to help. You know, there's a difference between people who care out of this sort of compulsion versus someone who cares with a glad and generous heart, right? Someone who goes from selfish to selfless cares not because they want something in return or just to feel good about themselves, but because they genuinely have a care for the other person that they're helping. And what I love about this idea of going from selfish to selfless is that when we care for another person, it's never about us, but it has the product of changing everything about us which is awesome. The end result of making something not about us and helping someone else is actually that it will change us from the inside. It's like the sort of little side benefit because it makes us more humble. It makes us more generous, joyous, giving, self-sacrificing, serving. And so we can't care for someone else without first going through this transformation ourselves. It's not actually possible to help someone and not be transformed by it. 
which is incredible because if we help someone, it will transform everything about us. So we learn from the Samaritan, the second story is that in order to cross over to help someone else, we have to give up our own pride. We have to make a personal sacrifice to do it. And the final thing is this. I love in this story that when we sacrifice for others, when we cross a boundary, when we get out of our cultural norms, we actually provide something that's empowering for another person. We see the Samaritans work with the wounded Jewish man in an empowering way. He leaves the man who's hurting and sick with a set of care that's going to nurse him back to health. It's going to get him back to the state that he was in before. And so when we care for someone else, we need to be careful when we're creating this culture of care that the care that we're providing is actually empowering. Because the alternative to that is that we create dependency. And we don't want to create dependency. And so it's important that we set up healthy boundaries with the way that we care. Because we want the care that we provide to be empowering to another person. The Samaritan created this healthy boundary in his relationship with the Jewish man. He helped as much as he was able to, but we don't see him cross this unhealthy boundary. He creates a standard of care that gets the guy back on his way, gets him back to the way that he was before. It's restorative. It's empowering. He could have stayed behind with the Jewish man. He could have given more money, could have given more time. He could have taken him as a a lodger permanently, but he didn't because he knew that that sort of over excessive care wouldn't actually help the man in the end. And so we need to be careful. This third way of creating a culture of care, of crossing over, is that the care we're providing is empowering to someone else. Codependency is this thing that they talk about in in clinical psychology uh, and in counseling where actually someone relies on another person excessively for like emotional or physical or financial support. And actually codependency is really harmful because it doesn't actually help someone in a care situation escape from what could be a vulnerable position. And so we need to make sure that what we're doing is empowering. We're putting boundaries in place with how we care. We're not going, we're going to do what God is telling us to do and calling us to do, but we're not going in an excessive way. So I want to create a space for us to respond today. And I want to ask you this simple question, which is, will you fight this idea, this epidemic of isolation and loneliness and make a commitment to cross over to help someone in need? You know, I love, we've got this culture among the staff team at Ivy where we celebrate um, any time that we see God accelerating a work around our community. And we don't celebrate these things in isolation, but we actually celebrate them with each other. So if there's like a discipleship win, or if there's like an Ivy youth win, or an Ivy kids win, we always call these moments team wins. There's a hashtag, you can look it up later. (laughs) But actually, when we recognize the importance of a milestone, or a story, or someone's transformation process, we celebrate it as a team. It's a team win. I benefit when youth goes forward. I benefit when Ivy Kids goes forward. And in the same way, they benefit when our grow groups go forward. And it's a team win. We're in it together. It's a culture of care. So if you get absolutely nothing out of this talk today, take away this message. It's this. When we cross over, we're doing it in community with each other. We're celebrating as a team win. I would love if that became the language that we use. Maybe it already is here in Charleston. But I would love it if that became the language that we use whenever we see care being provided to someone else. Team win. Because it's all for God's kingdom. What would a culture of care look like when we recognize the way 
that people are putting down selfishness and moving out of their comfort zone to help someone else. It would be kind of like a culture of honor, which is awesome. A culture where we celebrate. So I want to share and leave you uh, before we move into a time of response with uh, just one of the ways that we see crossing over happening here at Ivy and how we actually are celebrating that as a team win. My name is Gail Jackson. I am the Ivy Cap Debt Centre Manager. We offer free debt help to anyone who needs it in the South Manchester area. It's such a privilege to get to go into people's homes and to offer them great help at the time of need. But more than that, we can offer them compassion and care and hope. That's what I love most about my job. I think the impact's huge, um, as you'll hear in the testimony soon, the pressure that people are under when they're in debt can be incredible. And um, just to be able to give them a route out, we've had uh, 16 people go debt free this year already, which is fantastic. But also to see people um, finding their way back to God and becoming part of a church community and also uh, serving at church is amazing. When Gav first came to see us at home, we were probably at the bottom of the barrel, as low as anyone can possibly imagine. It's horrendous being in debt, all the lying, denial, and the deeper you bury your head in the sand, it will all go away. How wrong. I personally was in total despair. Leading up to the visit, I was filled with apprehension. There was no need. After talking with us, Gail surprised me by how proactive and positive this situation was going to be. From that moment on, I slept like a baby. I knew that we had someone who was going to fight our corner. And in the first visit, her actions changed situations that we thought were set in stone. Thank you, Ivy Church, for all the help you gave us through association with CAP. The community of Ivy are the best people I have met. I just wanted to say how thankful I am to Ivy and CAP for the support I have had with my debt case. It has taken a while to sink in that I don't have these debts now and I am free from them. But not only am I debt free, CAP have taught me my new skills to manage my money better and make better choices. I have been in debt since I was 18, so that's 28 years. My family are amazed also, the dark cloud is gone. I am thanking God for your hearts and helping people when they see no way out. My dream, I guess, with CAP is because we see um, about 36 new people or families a year through this. And um, there's just so many needs and so many ways that we can help, but it just takes team. And I would love to grow the CAP support team, whether that be um, if people are free in the day to be able to come out and visit, um, to being able to do a food shop or give some lift to church would be so helpful as well because lots of people don't have transport. Um, so basically there's so many different ways to help that take a small amount of time or a bigger amount of time. So I would love in the next year to really grow the amount of people on our support team. Can I invite the band to come up? Could it be that crossing over for you just looks like the simple step of signing up to help with CAP? Or maybe it even looks like the simple step of giving CAP a call and asking them to help sort out some debt issues. And so there's two responses that I want us to think about today. Um, could I get everyone to just stand up?
an integral part of this idea of a culture of care, as I just said, is celebrating team wins. And how can you celebrate a team win if you're not on a team, if you're not serving? And so the thing is, maybe you yourself are feeling just a bit lonely today. And maybe you're feeling like there's not really any help that you're receiving in that. But I would just say to you today and suggest the way to solve that problem is to join a community. It's to actually plug in, to not shy away, but to completely get involved, to empty yourself out to it. That's a cure for loneliness, friends. <laughs> we can't wait in an expectation of care. We have to jump straight in and start it ourselves, start that process. So I want us to consider two things, if we could just close our eyes. The first is this, I want you to consider now, seriously consider, what ways am I currently working towards building this culture of care? And what do I need to do to strengthen the way I'm contributing to it? All right, so we've got two cards that you'll find in your seat. The first is an I'm in card. And I want to see every single one of those I'm in cards up here at the front at some point in the next five minutes. Um, and so for you, if you're already serving on a team, you know, there's some of us in here that are probably serving on 25 million different teams. Please don't fill out the card. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to continue overextending yourself. But actually, I saw the hands raised, and I think more than half of us aren't serving on some kind of team or way. And so actually, CAP is one of those boxes you can tick on that card, and that's the way you want to get involved, being, starting to be part of this culture. And so I want to see every single card filled out. Either you're ticking a box, or you're saying, no, thank you, I'm already on a bajillion different teams. And so in a, in a moment, we'll have the, the ministry team here at the front, and I want to just create a space for us to, as we move into a time of worship, to just be able to leave those cards up here at the front. We can just set them here. And then if God's doing a, a greater and bigger thing this morning for you, then I want you to, to get prayer. I want you to talk about ways that you can contribute to being part of that culture with the ministry team. And the second thing is this. There's a care card a business-sized card that's in every single seat as well. And I want us to make a commitment together as a community that over this next six weeks, we're going to do the things that those cards say to do during the week. So everyone should take one. Maybe you can swap with someone if you're just not happy and you're like, that's way out of my comfort zone. We'll build up to the, the harder ones. But I want every single person to walk away with one of those cards this week and do that action towards someone else. Let me just pray for us. Father, we come to you today knowing that you're the one who made the ultimate decision to cross over. So everything that we do in terms of caring for each other stems out of the love that you showed us, Jesus. So Father, I just pray that, that we would take that message of hope, salvation, restoration, new life, new creation, that we would internalize that message and that everything we do to, to building a culture of caring for one another would stem out of that love that you showed us, Jesus, in sacrificing your own life on the cross. Let's just keep our eyes closed for a minute longer.
moment, whenever you come forward to drop this card off, and as all of our eyes are closed now, I just want you to think about what it means that Jesus crossed over for you. Because he did. He crossed over for you. That's every single person in here. doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, where you're going. Jesus crossed over for you. And actually, maybe you're sitting here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming along for a couple of weeks and just exploring this idea of faith and Christianity and who Jesus is. But I'm telling you today, Jesus crossed over for you. And I want to explore that with you. And I know that maybe for some of us, you want to explore that too. You want to ask those questions. Maybe you want to ask that, just what does it mean to love God and to love my neighbor? So with every eye closed, I just want to create a space as we move into worship for us to consider what that means. And actually, when you come and drop the card off, I want to encourage you, if you're saying for, for the first time today, I want to explore what it means that Jesus died on the cross, that he crossed over for me, I want you to talk to someone about that. Let's worship God together and let's respond to what he's doing. Let's respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing in this place. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.